Hello, and welcome to your new favorite bookish podcast, Fully Booked and Caffeinated. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Heather. And today we will be discussing The Housemaid by Frieda McFadden, an absolutely addictive psychological thriller with a jaw-dropping twist. As usual, let's talk about our fuel for this discussion. Heather, what are you drinking this morning? I have a boring old donut shop K-cup, but it has my favorite creamer in it, which is the Chobani Sweet Cream Creamer. Oh, that one is so good. Mm-hmm. I know. It's like just the perfect amount of creaminess. Mm-hmm. It's so it's like I, sweet. I don't know why you're knocking on a, a donut K-cup I, I with know. sweet cream. <laughs> Is it because was, you're jealous because you can see my, yes. my gigantic yeah. venti Starbucks and I have a very obnoxious tie-dye Java sock I on love, it? I love Java socks so much. Java I socks mean, normally, should totally sponsor us because then I would just get ooh. free Java socks. <laughs> I have so many. Because you have 1,000 Java socks. Okay, you but really my do. mom has double the amount that I do. That I believe. <laughs> that I believe. Usually I pour it into my Yeti so that mm. it stays cold. But I brought my Java sock with me because I went on my Starbucks walk this morning. My Smart. hot girl walk. So I have a venti blonde latte as usual. Mm-hmm. Today I did toffee nut syrup and brown sugar syrup. Yum. But for some reason... The venti is not sweet enough with just the pumps. Like, so I had to put a packet of stevia too. It's like the grande has the perfect ratios for me. The Hmm. venti needs extra pumps. That's interesting. Yeah, because they said usually there's six pumps. I put seven. It still wasn't sweet enough. Maybe it was barista error. That's true. Maybe they were half pumps. Because sometimes I didn't actually see the pumping. Yeah, because sometimes I'll do the same thing. I'll order like something from Dunkin' and I'll get it, and I'm like, "Are you sure there's caramel in here? Because I don't taste it." Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, actually, you should have just poured the butter pecan upside down into the cup and just yeah. topped it off with coffee. I think it all depends. Go- going to a Dunkin' or a Starbucks, you're playing with fire. It's going to be... Oh, you're always gambling. <laughs> it's going to be hit or miss. <laughs> and also, like, I'm gambling with an almost $8 drink. Give me, exactly. a, give me a break. Mm-hmm. So you want it to be good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is still delicious. That's the good yeah. thing about a latte is that it's still delicious. Mm-hmm. Whereas an iced coffee can be ruined very easily. An iced coffee can be ruined immediately. There's times yeah. I've gotten a coffee from Dunkin' and I look at Eric and I'm just like, this does not taste correct. And it tastes mm-hmm. just like cream. There's nothing yeah, else Yeah, like here. it's going in the garbage. Anywho, cheers. Cheers. All right. Firstly, Frieda McFadden is a number one Amazon bestselling author. She's also practicing physician specializing in brain injury. Here's a quote from her website bio that I absolutely had to include. Quote, she lives with her family and black cat in a centuries-old three-story home overlooking the ocean with staircases that creak and moan with each step and nobody could hear you if you scream unless you scream really loudly maybe oh my god stop i love that so much but doesn't that sound like she would be writing like either witchy books or horror yeah. books and she's just out here thriller after thriller after thriller she like and then blew still up out of nowhere too oh absolutely and she says like i became wildly popular during covid she's like i don't even know how to use tiktok but i know that a lot of my success is due to tiktok which is true like every book talker that i follow is obsessed with freedom yeah. because all of her thrillers are super twisty but they're also really easy reads so it's always on a list of recommendations but it's also crazy that she's still a part-time physician yeah i know i saw that yeah i think when i was going to put 
I forget how I saw what she did, but I was, I realized that she just kind of writes like for fun, more or less. And mm-hmm. then she has like an and actual job. And she has job. two kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so she self-published her first novel on Amazon and the e-versions of all her books are exclusive to Amazon, but she now has a mm. digital publisher to help her because she has so many more books. Like we said, a lot of her success is because of TikTok and just because of how viral she went during COVID. In a podcast episode, she's been on a couple podcasts, Mm. she says that she writes in first person and she writes conversationally. So a lot of her writing, she actually dictates um, so that it comes off as more conversational. And she said she does this so that people can see themselves in the characters. So she said in Housemaid, she compares it to having a shitty boss. Like everyone has had a shitty boss that they can remember and relate to, which personally I would say is a little bit of stretch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I did not relate to a single character in this book, no. luckily. But I, I guess I get what she's saying. Mm-hmm. So The Housemaid was published in 2022. It's one of the domestic thrillers that you automatically recommend when people are looking for a twisty psychological thriller. It's like silent patient level, mm-hmm. but better in my personal opinion. Before we even get into it. Let's acknowledge the fact that this is not the most original story. It's a pretty familiar trope that we've seen done many times before. But obviously, there's something about the way Frieda McFadden does it that's better than others, because this book has 425,000 ratings and a (laughs) 4.36 on Goodreads. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's a lot. That is a lot. And it came out in 2022. Like, well, that's mean, a lot. I had planned on reading this eventually because people on Bookstagram, even when I first joined, like, people are always just constantly posting about her books. And I'm like, who mm-hmm. is this person? <laughs> because mm-hmm. even when you look at her book covers, now that I understand she's mainly digital, I understand they're not as, like, fancy as other book covers. Yeah. They're, they're very generic. And Which, she did say that because she was making her own book covers yeah. because she was self-publishing. So that's a really good point. I know. And so I was wondering why she was so popular. And I had never, obviously, I had never heard of her before. And then I read the book and I'm like, okay, I get it. I get the hype. <laughs> yeah. And apparently all of her books are this same way. I would mm-hmm. say Housemaid is the most popular. Yeah. But... All of her books are this same way where you're just constantly trying to guess the ending and you can't do it. Or if you do it, it's like you can never understand how she gets there. Yeah. So here's our Goodreads summary. Welcome to the family, Nina Winchester says as I shake her elegant manicured hand. I smile politely, gazing around the marble hallway. Working here is my last chance to start fresh. I can pretend to be whoever I like, but I'll soon learn that the Winchester's secrets are far more dangerous than my own. Every day, I clean the Winchester's beautiful house top to bottom. I collect their daughter from school, and I cook a delicious meal for the whole family before heading up to eat alone in my tiny room on the top floor. I try to ignore how Nina makes a mess just to watch me clean it up, how she tells strange lies about her own daughter, and how her husband Andrew seems more broken every day. But as I look into Andrew's handsome brown eyes, so full of pain, it's hard not to imagine what it would be like to live Nina's life. The walk-in closet, the fancy car, the perfect husband. I only try on one of Nina's pristine white dresses once, just to see what it's like, but she soon finds out, and by the time I realize my attic bedroom door only locks from the outside, it's far too late. But I reassure myself, the Winchesters don't know who I really am. They don't know what I'm capable of. This is interesting because it doesn't read like a normal summary. It reads kind of like a prologue. And also... Reading that summary after I read the book, I also feel like it doesn't match up. Right? 
it's kind of weird. I mean, yeah. it's definitely only focusing on the first half of the book anyway, or the first part of the book. But it doesn't, like, no, she because, doesn't try on the white yeah. dress. No, and that's actually an interesting summary. kind of summary a weird summary. Compared yeah. to what I read. And that's the summary everywhere, like Amazon, yeah. Goodreads, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So the book starts with a prologue. There's a dead body in the attic. And the cops are there. And then the book is separated into three parts. So we have our key characters, Nina. At first glance, she's a rich, spoiled housewife who's always extremely put together. And then she kind of starts to transform before our eyes. I would say she unravels. Yes, I think that's agreeable. Then we have Millie, the housekeeper who comes for an interview and never thinks she could ever get the position since it's a a live-in position. It pays really well. And she knows that these wealthy people, before letting someone live in their house and take care of their child, they're definitely going to do a background check. And that would be a problem for Millie since she spent the past 10 years in prison for murder. Which you also don't find out until like, <laughs> you don't, it's always alluded to, you don't, you never know what she did. You just know that she, it's, it's alluded to that she was in prison for a very long time. Yeah. Every one of Billy's chapters ends with like, they don't know my past. Mm-hmm. I don't want this to come out. Uh-huh. And then eventually it's like that I was in prison. And you're like, what the hell? And then you don't find out what she was in prison for until much later. Exactly. <laughs> then there's Andy, Nina's perfect, handsome husband, who works hard but is always home for dinner and seems hopelessly in love with Nina, even as, as she starts to act out more and more. And then we have Enzo, which, fun fact, Frida says that this is her favorite character in all of her books. Really? Isn't that kind of surprising? Yeah. Because he's not even a main character until... No the second half of part two yeah and i wouldn't even i wouldn't even consider him a main character i feel like he's more like a secondary yeah but he's the landscaper who seems to be working on their house every day he's supposed to be a landscaper for the whole neighborhood but it seems like he has a nine to five at the winchester house (laughs) he's there every single day so he's tattooed muscular he has an extremely thick italian accent he pretends not to speak English in order to avoid talking to people, which I personally I admire. Yeah, I was like, yeah. That's, a good, that's a good call. That's a true flex. All right, so let's run through the plot and then we'll talk a little bit more about Nina and Millie specifically because they are the main characters yes. in this book. So we start with part one, which is three months earlier from the prologue. Millie is hired as the live-in housekeeper and right off the bat, this is the type of horror movie where you're talking to the TV and telling the character on screen to turn around and get the fuck out. Her room is in a teensy attic with a bare light bulb, a single cot, and a tiny window. Nina and Andy's daughter is creepy as all hell and millie suspects that she could be in danger of being murdered in her sleep by this child i know (laughs) and you just picture it this little girl running around in like this white lacy dress with demon eyes like it it sounds like a horror movie Mm -hmm. and then more ominous clues start popping up enzo is outside and gives her super weird vibes millie says there's something in his expression that sends a chill down my spine and then he shakes his head almost imperceptibly almost like he's trying to warn me but he doesn't say a word then next time she sees him he whispers danger to her in italian <laughs> I know. okay um next her door only locks from the outside Mm -hmm. she sees what appear to be scratches on the inside of the door and the window is painted shut and she doesn't address these issues enough (laughs) she mentions the lock and like nina gets weird about it so she's just like okay she mentions the window being painted shut and it just gets glossed over so heather which one of these things would be your deal breaker um definitely the scratches in the wall because that can only mean one thing (laughs) 
100% agree. That's a personally where I would draw the line. Scratches on the inside of the bedroom door when they have no animals and mm-hmm. they are clearly at like human height. But Millie is like a bull being attracted to all of these red flags. Yeah. So. 100%. 100%. So we, we've lost her. So Millie starts work and Nina transforms. She's <laughs> extremely hot and cold. She's yelling at Millie one second for not doing things she never asked her to do, mm-hmm. praising her the next. She openly badmouths her, makes her jump through hoops. She invites her friends over, well, friends in quotes, mm-hmm. and then talks so much shit about Millie and Millie's standing right there. And just has to stand there and be like, do you want me to refill your drink? I know. It was crazy because obviously when you first meet Nina, she seems like this sweet lady that just wants someone to come clean her house. And then when Millie gets Mm -hmm. there, it's it's literally like she entered into a horror film. Yeah. And Millie is so trapped because she's already bypassed all the red flags. And she also knows that she's not going to get another job that pays this well. That I mean, she was living in her car, so she would have nowhere to live. Mm -hmm. She wasn't even able to get a job at like some burger joint. So a big contention in the house is that Nina and Andrew are trying to have a baby, but find out they can't and they're devastated about it. Uh, The whole neighborhood alludes to Nina being crazy. Not just crazy in the way that she's been to Millie, but like actually... Certifiable. Exactly. She starts hearing... Millie starts hearing a lot of rumors. And finally, someone dishes that Nina was checked into a mental hospital after trying to kill baby Cecilia. Imagine hearing this about your employer. Yeah, I know. And you're just like, okay. Meanwhile, even if you didn't read the book, you know that this one is coming. Millie and Andrew have palpable sexual chemistry. Of course and they Nina do. is insanely <laughs> jealous every time they're in the same room together. Mm-hmm. Saw it's that giving coming. Verity. It's giving Verity. It's giving... It's giving every book where you hire a hot live-in housekeeper. I mean, yeah. so eventually they just keep building and building this sexual chemistry. Things with Nina are getting worse and worse. And then through just a ridiculous series of events, they end up going to a Broadway show together, out to a fancy French restaurant, and then staying in the Plaza Hotel and fucking all night. Yep. Knew that one was coming. I didn't see it coming the way that it came. The Broadway show was really just, he's like, you know what? We should go to the show. We should drive to the city, go to this fancy romantic dinner, and then stay at the plaza together. That, that'll be fine, right? But it's literally, I just read The Last Miss Parish like two months ago, and I was like, mm-hmm. this is the exact same thing I read two months ago. Exactly. Different, obviously. So Nina finds out because she's tracking Millie's cell phone, but she lets Millie know that she knows by finding the playbill and leaving it out in Millie's room. I actually was, when I found out that she was tracking her phone, I felt stupid for not even clocking that in general. Because I was like, oh, wait, that would be so smart. (laughs) Yeah, like she literally gave her the phone. I know. And then I was like, oh, duh, she's definitely tracking her. And Millie is just like... Oh my God, she knows because I didn't leave the trash out and because I didn't throw away the playbill. And I'm like, hmm, mm-hmm. seems fishy, right? But yeah. I, I didn't think of the tracking of the phone No, either. until like it was brought up later in the, later in part one, I was like, oh, duh. <laughs> so then Nina starts to torture Millie even more, starting with exposing her prison history in front of Andy, mm-hmm. where he's like, jaw drops to the floor. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Then tries to get her arrested for shoplifting at the grocery store. That was wild. Which this is this is like a white woman power move. 
calling the grocery store and being like, there's a girl in aisle 10 who's definitely shoplifting. And they're like, okay, we'll go get her. Like, what? You get a call from someone like at their house that someone is shoplifting and you have to go investigate it? Okay. And obviously Millie's panicking because she has a prison record. Like she can't, Mm -hmm. she's like, oh my gosh, did I accidentally not pay for something? Like she's freaking out. So one night Nina accuses Millie of stealing the clothes that she had given her and she's ready to call the police to get her thrown back in jail. Which by the way, I absolutely loved this interaction because obviously like a month ago she was going to go donate these clothes and then she Mm -hmm. says to Millie actually you know what what size are you these will fit you perfectly she's like I have no need for them I'm just going to donate them I'm never going to fit in them again you should totally have them and then she does like this total one you know 360 and she's accusing her of stealing them and it just shows you how psychotic Nina is in that moment that she's Mm -hmm. now accusing Millie of stealing something that she openly gave to her and I was like this is brilliant (laughs) And then there's also this weight issue that we haven't talked about, but Mm -hmm. that comes up all the time. So basically, at the beginning, Nina's like extremely put together and extremely obsessed with the way that she looks. But Millie sees pictures of Andy and Nina from earlier in their marriage and sees that Nina has put on a lot of weight. And the whole thing with the dresses is like, oh, these don't fit me anymore. So you can have them because Millie is, you know, like a size six. And Millie makes some comment in her head like, wow, Nina probably hasn't worn these for a while. Mm -hmm. And then when Nina is screaming at Millie and accusing her of stealing the dresses, Andy is like, girl, you haven't fit into this in years. And I was like, no, Andy, no. So she whips around. I thought she was going to kill Andy right then. She's like, are you calling me fat? And he's like, uh, uh. (laughs) So... It's just like, it's so cheesy, but it is actually part of this storyline. Exactly. So this is the final straw for Andy, that Nina is willing to put an innocent person in jail for something that she did when everyone knows that she gave Millie the clothes. He kicks Nina out and that same night ends up in bed with Millie. Millie's honestly so naive and maybe it's because she doesn't have much dating experience because she was in jail for 10 years or because Andrew is that charming. But the fact that she thinks that Nina would give up that easily uh-huh. is hilarious to I me. I know. I agree with that. And she also does some really stupid things. When she gets caught in the hallway after Andy kicks Nina out and she goes, um, do you need help packing or? Oh, I know. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I was like, oh, that was kind of savage. <laughs> was so uncomfortable. Like, just turn around and hide. Pretend mm-hmm. that you weren't there watching. I know, because also, like, I, f- I feel she's very nosy. Not that I think she's doing it intentionally. Clearly she is. But she's not doing it with bad intentions. I think right. she's just, like, concerned about the situation that she's in. But there's so many instances where she's just creeping up on the two of them when they're fighting or they're having conversations and you're just kind of like girl you're gonna get caught something bad's gonna happen like mind your business every time yeah and then she's just like oh hey uh i was just standing here 
yeah. seeing if you need anything. Yeah. But she she rationalizes it in this way because she thinks that Nina is emotionally abusing Andy and that Andy deserves better. Mm-hmm. So she kind of looks at it as like, well, I'm just looking out for Andy and like, I don't understand why he stays with Nina because he seems so perfect. And, you know, why is he staying with her and raising her child? And yeah. so she thinks that Nina is the problem. Andy is just too nice to get rid of her until that final night. And then they end up in bed together and she's like, oh my God, this is exactly how things are going to work out. And of course they have sex in like the guest bedroom because she can't have sex in the marital bedroom because she just stole the husband from Nina. (laughs) Yeah. And because it's still warm because Nina was just in that bed. Mm -hmm. I mean, so then we move to part two and I love when books do this how to guide. It's very Gone Girl. Yeah, I like that too. And I love it in Gone Girl. So here begins How to Get Rid of Your Sadistic Evil Husband, a guide by Nina Winchester. And that's when you realize, wait a second. Uh Uh-huh. Well, yeah, because at the end of part one, Millie gets locked in the room. Mm -hmm. So even before- we don't really know the, like, is she locked in there? No, I know. Did he just leave her in there? Yeah, but because like she gets locked in the room and then you realize that, oh, something's up. And then, mm-hmm. and then, then as soon as you turn to pay to part two, it says the sadistic husband, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, which obviously I, I could understand that this was where it was going, but at the same time, you're just kind of like, oh fuck, yeah, and you're like interested, even if you knew that's where it was going, you're like, okay, how is she gonna play this yes. one out? Yes. So step one: get knocked up by a drunken one night stand, drop out of school, and take a crappy job to pay the bills. So Nina was a receptionist at Andy's company, and they randomly started dating. Step Step two, naively marry sadistic evil man. Andy charms the hell out of Nina and they get married pretty quickly. And here's where we get to the good stuff. Step three, discover your husband is pure evil. The first lesson is three months into their marriage because Nina skipped a hair appointment and her roots are showing. Mm-hmm. And Andy decides that it's time to punish her. So he locks her in the attic room and has her start pulling out her hairs. This was so sadistic this was rough the the different kinds of torture in this book are very inventive Mm -hmm. so she has to pull out her hairs one by one and until he will let her out and then he does finally let her out but he there's a whole thing where the cops come and find nina trying to rescue cecilia from drowning in the bathtub Mm -hmm. because andy called the cops to say that his wife wasn't answering the phone and he was worried about her and usually she answers the phone so they break in they see nina holding cecilia in the bathtub both of them are drugged up yeah and she's immediately committed to a mental hospital and this is where we get the rumor that millie had heard that she was committed for trying to kill cecilia so step four make the world believe you're crazy this part blew my mind that she's in this mental hospital and she's going to like daily therapy and they're medicating her and they convince her that she hallucinated the entire attic uh-huh. situation. Yeah. They convince her that she tried to kill her daughter. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't like a postpartum, like Cecilia was no, like no, four exactly. years old. Yeah, they. I just think that the psychological torture that Andy inflicted on her and then obviously he clearly has connections in this hospital. So mm-hmm. They continue that same psychological torture to make her feel like this actually was the attic was a figment of her imagination and that she actually is starting to go crazy and she did try to kill her daughter. Mm -hmm. And 
if you think about it, Andy was this perfect guy. He was willing to take a chance on her, even though they had very different backgrounds, even though she had, you know, she was a single mom with a daughter. Mm -hmm. He's willing to raise her daughter. He does all these amazing things for her. She thinks that she has the absolute perfect life. And when you actually say the things that he did to her in the attic, like pulling out her hairs one by one, I would probably think I was making it up too. Yeah, but then remember, she was one short and he made her do it all over again. So not only did she do it once, she did it twice. And he leaves her in this room with a blue bucket to, to, you know, relieve herself in and a mini fridge with three mini water bottles. And she's in this room for what, 72 hours? Yeah, because he she's like, I'll do it right now. I'll I'll have the hairs for you right now. He's like, I have to go to work, Nina. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So then he just makes her wait and then he makes her wait another night. And at the end, she's like, I don't even know if he's going to let me out at all. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out that when he let her out, he gave her a glass of water that had the drugs in it. So she was she was drugged and sleeping while he was setting up the stage with Cecilia. And she woke up in perfect timing to save Cecilia from the bathtub, but also for the cops to come and catch them there Mm -hmm. and then she goes to the mental hospital so step five find out you're not crazy after all so once she gets out it's a couple months before she goes back up to the attic again and she's still seeing the therapist obviously like you said who has connections with andy and he says you have to go up to the attic you have to face your fear yeah you have to admit to yourself that you made it up And going up there will help you. And Andy, the ever supportive husband is like, yes, let's go up. I'll go up with you. We'll face this head on. You'll see that it's nothing more than an attic room with papers and storage and whatever. And then he locks her in the attic again. Mm -hmm. And she realizes that she never imagined anything. Yeah. And he shows the control he has over her. No one will ever believe anything that she says because of her stay in the mental hospital. And because she admitted that she did do the things that he framed her to do. Exactly. Because she thought that she did it. Yeah, her her mental stability is already in question. So she tries Mm -hmm. to bring this up again. It's just going to look like she's creating problems. Mm -hmm. And he shows that he can easily hurt Cecilia Mm -hmm. at any time. Yeah. So he says to her, quote, this is for you, Nina. Look at the horrible choices you made in your life before I came along. I'm just trying to teach you how to be a better person, end quote. The worst. Okay. Okay. Step six, try to live with it. So Nina gets used to the abuse. She starts to figure out what will set him off. She knows that every time she does go up into the attic, eventually he will let her out. And it kind of, it's very random when she's going to be in there. Sometimes she won't go in for a month. Sometimes it'll be longer, less time, whatever. But she also knows that he's never, to her knowledge, hurt Cecilia while she's been locked in the attic. So she just kind of goes with it. And she's like, okay, this is my life now. I don't know what else to do. I can't get away from him. Mm -hmm. Then step seven, try to escape because she randomly confesses to Enzo in the yard that she's being abused because she thinks that he doesn't speak English. I know. (laughs) And he's like, girl, what? Uh What was that you said? And she's like, wait, wait, what? When I didn't, I didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I I know everything you just said. So then he's, he decides to help. Enzo is going to be the knight in shining armor and get her the fuck out of there. Yes. So she confesses the whole thing. They start plotting her escape plan. Of course, Andy finds out. He finds her fake ID, her passport, her money, etc. So everything that they've been planning for doesn't work. So they go to plan B. Quote from Nina. And then the idea hits me. It's so beautifully simple. End quote. Step eight. Find a replacement. (laughs) Yeah. 
Which is an interesting choice because it almost makes you question. I mean, I can understand, obviously, this woman has been going through so much torture for the past, what is it, six years or whatever, however old Cecilia is. Mm-hmm. And so she's just done. She can't do it anymore. So it's kind of, it's almost sadistic in, in, in that own way that she's going to just make some other poor girl have to go through what she went through. Mm-hmm. And Enzo kind of guilt trips her about that a yeah. lot understandably but then we find out that that's not actually her plan at all yeah so here's where we move away from the trope that's been done before to something truly magical because nina doesn't just find a replacement she finds someone capable of killing andy so quote from nina and here's the truth i initially wanted to hire a maid in hopes that she would become my replacement that if andrew fell in love with another woman he would finally let me go but that's not why i hired millie that's not why i gave her a copy of a key to the room and that's not why i left a bottle of pepper spray in the blue bucket in the closet i hired her to kill him she just doesn't know it end quote (laughs) it's like a sleeper agent (laughs) it just wow she got a lot of time to think up there in that attic and to plan this all out so impressive so now we move to part three and we find out why nina picked millie because millie has not only this prison record that we you know find out about but she has a string of violent outbursts in her past so she pushed a boy off the monkey bars and broke his arm she slashed a math teacher's tires we find out that he told her she'd fail unless she let him feel her up she beats a guy to death with a paper weight for raping her friend and that's what she goes to to prison for and her friend doesn't acknowledge that millie was protecting her so no one is on her side no one takes up for her no one admits that her friend was being assaulted and that's why millie did what she did yeah she's very much alone Mm -hmm. she punches a guy at her bartending job the first job that she got when she got out of prison for grabbing her ass every day Mm -hmm. and every time she's the villain even though she's provoked because she's her credibility is so worn away and so non-existent that no one is ever going to listen to anything that she says even before the prison sentence but especially after why would her boss at her bartending job believe her when she gives this reason for punching Mm -hmm. this guy in the face and even if he did believe her he's not going to create waves and accuse the guy he's just going to get rid of her and wipe his hands up the whole thing yeah easier solution for him yeah and nina knows that millie's going to do the same thing when she's provoked by andrew so she leaves her a little help the pepper spray the key and millie delivers Mm -hmm. so he like we said at the end of part one she was trapped in the attic but she like didn't didn't know why yeah yeah and she didn't know if she's actually trapped or if it was like an accident she's like this is so weird why hasn't andy come up check on me yet so he does and he tells her that he has to teach her a lesson for leaving his books out on the table Mm -hmm. and not cleaning up after herself psychotic man yes so she does a switcheroo when he finally goes to let her out she pepper sprays his ass steals his phone to be able to see the hidden cameras which like here's a little secret they've been keeping that there's hidden cameras in this attic room and locks him in the prison of his own making Mm -hmm. once again millie is not the smartest person in the world because she doesn't fully think through a plan she just she's just going with it she's like yeah exactly one minute after the next yeah She's like, I'm just going to see how this goes and we'll take it from there. So she returns the favor of the balancing books, which he made her do. But this time she makes him balance the books on his dick. Which, applause. Round of applause. 1000% for three hours. Then she says, oh my gosh, you must have misheard me. 
I said five hours. Uh huh. And she can see him through the camera, like just visibly losing his shit. Yeah. And he's, I mean, welcome to the evil that you created, buddy. Mm -hmm. Taste your own medicine. Exactly. Then she forces him to pull out his teeth with pliers. I'm not sure what the point of this lesson was. I think it was just for funsies. I think it was. I think that she was losing her mind as well in this situation. And it was probably just something that popped into her head. And she's like, okay, now pull your teeth out. Because <laughs> I don't know what else to have you do. I was also like, you just gave him a weapon in there. Don't you think that plier, like, I don't know. I'd be nervous about the pliers. Yeah, Could those somehow be point. used mm-hmm. to get him out of there? And she just leaves him there. And he dies of dehydration after, we don't know exactly how long it takes him to die, but he's in there for like five days i think yeah because enzo doesn't know what's going on inside but he calls up nina and he's like you got to get your ass back here because the attic light is on and no one has left this house for days mm-hmm. and nina is like no i was so I'm close finally to free <laughs> no <laughs> so she comes back and she finds her husband shriveled up like a little raisin Mm-hmm. missing teeth covered in blood covered in bruises and she's like damn i didn't know you were actually gonna do it she's not sad which i don't blame her Mm-mm. but she's like this is kind of weird yeah so then nina decides to let millie go in a brief moment of good conscience and while she's being questioned by the detective she finds out that the detective is the father of andy's ex fiance Mm-hmm. That was interesting. That was something I didn't see coming at all. That was an interesting plot twist. Because you're like, how is she going to get out of get this? Get out of this, yeah. When there's literally a dead man in her attic. Yeah. And, and she says that Andy has so many friends in the police department mm-hmm. and Andy's parents do. So she needed this detective on her side. And he was. And he makes the whole thing disappear for the most part. So then we get to the funeral and Andy's mother shows up, who we haven't talked about, but she's in the whole book. She hates Nina. She disapproves of her parenting. She's very judgmental. But Andy is like her sweet baby angel who can do no wrong. Mm -hmm. So Evelyn goes up to Nina and she whispers to her that she saw the coroner's report and she knows that he didn't just die of starvation, dehydration, but that he was missing teeth and the bruising. And she says, quote, it's such a shame that he never really learned. I'm glad you stepped up and taught him a lesson. Yeah. Didn't see this one coming. No, I didn't see that the abuse that Andy was inflicting on all these women is because of his mother inflicting the same abuse and torture on him. Yeah. As a child. So she basically says that she made him, well, no, she pulled out one of his teeth as a child because he wasn't brushing his teeth. And she's Mm -hmm. like, if you don't take care of your teeth you're not allowed to have teeth yeah so like what are the chances that millie just whips out these pliers and is like hey yeah it's like, some there, of teeth. therein lies why she where the plier thing probably comes in because that was the whole you know without obviously millie knowing it but it, it kind of comes back full circle and it's just it's just interesting mm-hmm. because clearly you understand now why andy's the way he is and it's because his mother is clearly psychotic as well. Yeah, and his, absolutely. His mother inflicted all this abuse on him. And so it gave him the control or wanting the control to inflict that same abuse on other people. Mm-hmm. So the last twist. I know there was like, so many, that... it was like, it was like twist after twist after twist. 
<laughs> I was like, are we done yet? Are I we know. done yet? <laughs> Nina recommends Millie for a housekeeping job. And while Millie is on the interview, she realizes that it's for an abused wife. And the woman named Lisa, she, there's a, a quote. This is like the last page of the book. Yeah. So Lisa slides the knife back into the wooden block and straightens up, her blue eyes wide and anxious. Can you help me, Millie? Yes, I say. I believe I can. So her new job placement is housekeeping hit woman. Which I love. That was probably my favorite thing about the entire book was that like ending. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because not only does Nina not make Millie take the fall, but she also hooks her up with another job. And she also is like, I know that Millie can put this bad temper and this violence to good use to help these women. Yeah. And that's kind of like the thing too. It's all the things that Millie did in her past. She was doing it to either protect herself or protect other people. So... From men. She wasn't just committing crime and hurting people for the fun of it. She was doing it because they were inflicting. It was a retaliation for what they were doing to her or Mm -hmm. to her her friend. Mm -hmm. And for her not being believed. And that's the same as these women not having a way out. Mm -hmm. So that's the end of the book. Mm -hmm. But there's still a lot to discuss. I think Nina and Millie are really developed characters. Like you really get to see the motivations behind what they do. And I know I personally have very conflicting feelings for both of them. Yeah. Because for Millie, I have sympathy for her because she's been misunderstood so many times. Everyone doubts her. Nina is emotionally abusing her as her boss. But at the same time, she slept with Andy, knowing he was married, knowing she wasn't being honest with him, knowing that that was unfair to Nina. And she just did some dumb things. Mm-hmm. So you kind of feel like... Not that she got what she deserved at all when she got with Andy, but it's kind of like, how can you feel that bad for her abuse aside? Yeah. You know what I mean? And then same with Nina, you feel for her because she's completely powerless against Andy until Millie shows up. And as her backstory unravels, you realize that everything she's doing, she's doing to protect Cecilia because that is the the threat that's looming over her head every day is that Andy could hurt Cecilia. But you can't fully feel bad for her because she's willing to put Millie through the same suffering and torture. And she has this elaborate plan to make Andy fall out of love with her and go sleep with the housekeeper. Yeah. So I have a few discussion questions for us, sticking with our book club style theme. What do you think sets this book apart from other books like it? I think it has this creativity that other books don't have because the way that you discover that Nina chose Millie because she knew that Millie was capable and you don't and you don't know that reading the book that Millie's capable of committing a murder or hurting someone but also not because she wants to it's just because she, like, like I said it's like retaliation for what was done to her so when you get to that point because obviously like I'm reading the book and I'm like oh great like this is literally just another she's just replacing her it's not gonna go and when I read other books that were similar to this you don't feel bad for the character that is the replacement because they're like a horrible person. Mm-hmm. There was nothing about Millie that stuck out that made her horrible. It really truly seemed like this girl was just trying to change her life around. And so you, mm-hmm. you almost feel bad that now she's getting put in this situation when she really didn't do anything wrong. But then it comes to light what she can do. And you're like, oh, shit, like this is like, it's legitimately like an assassin book now. Yeah. Like, like literally Nina has hired this woman to be her housekeeper because she wants her to murder her husband. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, oh, this is actually fun. And I like this. Mm-hmm. So once you mm-hmm. get 
past everything. Because like I had said to you as I was reading it, I'm like, this is like literally seven, a, a compilation of seven books that I've recently read this year. And I don't understand what's going to set it apart. And then you get right. to it and you're like, never mind, I get it. And I yeah. understand the hype of this book now. I think it's exactly that. And the fact that it didn't rely on the main big twist, whereas a lot of these other books yes. that have the same trope. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, the twist happens. Now we're finding out how it plays out. There were so many other plot points and twists and turns that it wasn't just, okay, we find out Nina's behind this. You see how it plays out Mm -hmm. in so many different ways and it keeps you on your toes the whole time. Yeah, there's like a lot of little Easter eggs. Exactly. Because especially, I think one of the big, the biggest Easter eggs was Andy's mother, Evelyn. Because mm-hmm. you can kind of, you get the vibe throughout the book that she's stuck up and she's always wearing white. And so Annie always, always makes Nina wear white and then Cecilia is always wearing white. So from there, you should see that he has, without realizing it, you should notice that he has this weird obsession with his mother. Yeah. But it's never Which touched is... on or anything until you get to the very end and you're like, oh, okay, I get exactly. it. Exactly. He has like, what is that? What's called when you're like obsessed with your parents? There's like that weird. Gross. I don't know. I, no, I know there's like that about. weird, like there's like that Greek phrase. I'm going to say this wrong. It's like the Opetus complex. Oh, I'm Oedipus. It wrong. Oedipus complex. Yeah. When you're obsessed I with your mom. I think that's what it's called when you're like obsessed with like your, one of your parents. Yeah. yeah. So that brings like, me that's to literally now. our next question, which is. Oh, good. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is good. Did you feel any sympathy for Andrew after you found out about his mom? No, because he could have broken the cycle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he chose not to. And instead, he's inflicting all this emotional, psychological torture on these poor women who don't deserve it. Yes. And the, the gut reaction is to say, yes, because violence can breed violence. But mm-hmm. I agree, no, because this is just another rich white man who thinks that he can control every person around him. He thinks he's God. He thinks he needs to teach all of these women lessons, that it's his job mm-hmm. to correct them. Them. And so that's not just violence passed down from his mom. It's entitlement. It's inflated self-importance. So I don't have any sympathy for that. Like you said, he could have broken the cycle and yeah. he could have completely cut himself off from his parents because it's not like he was relying on them for money. Like he did become independently wealthy from them. So it just doesn't track. Yeah. Did you feel sympathy for Millie when she first gets locked in the room? Um. Yes, because you don't. Again, at that point, you realize that, oh, shit, this is going to take a turn. And it's Mm -hmm. not a good turn. And she's just so naive. Mm -hmm. Baby girl. She's like, oh, I get it. We just had sex up here. And this cot is very uncomfortable. So I'm sure he left to go sleep in the bed. And I probably just look so peaceful sleeping here. He Mm -hmm. didn't want to wake me. Mm -hmm. And he shut the door and it accidentally locked. And he didn't know. Mm -hmm. And oh, my phone that was charging in here is now mysteriously gone. But I probably just left it downstairs. Like she's giving all these excuses for things Mm -hmm. because she does not know the extent of what Andy's capable of because clearly he hides it very fucking well. Mm -hmm. And so she's just thinking that, oh, he just accidentally made a mistake. And then when he does come home, she realizes that, oh, no, this I am now in a sadistic Saw movie. (laughs) Yes, because this is not the first place that your brain would jump to. So I understand her Mm -hmm. rationalizing it. But you thought this rich man kicked out his wife of like 10 years and immediately is promoting you from live-in housekeeper to live-in girlfriend. Yeah, I know. Honey. That is obviously, but again, I can understand that from Millie's point of view too, because she's had such a shitty fucking life. Mm -hmm. 
and things are actually going in a direction that seem too good to be true. Mm -hmm. So you can't blame her for reveling in it because she's been daydreaming about this life with Andrew and now she actually has it. So it's kind of like, oh, maybe things are actually finally turning around for me. Maybe I, maybe I am getting the life that I deserve. Mm -hmm. And we talked about her not exactly. We talked about her naivety, naivete, naivete, naivete. (laughs) Wow. That sounds way too fancy. Okay, we talked about how naive she is because she was in prison for her formative years where you would be dating around. and Exactly. So it's like everything does seem like this dream come true. And like you said, she's had all of this bad luck. It's like, is my luck finally turning for me? Am I really going to get this successful, beautiful man who treats his wife like gold in theory and now he's mine? Of course she's going to be on board. Which, by the way, just back it up for like literally five seconds. I was, I thought it was very funny when she tried to put the moves on Enzo and Enzo was like, (laughs) no, 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 no. Do not want to bang you. (laughs) She's like, it'll be fine because he doesn't speak English. So it'll just just, be like. We'll just have a crazy sexual experience and then we'll go on our way. And it did not pan out at all how she had hoped. And it was so embarrassing. So humiliating. I loved it. Yeah. 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 And then you find out that he does speak English the entire time. And she's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, that's mortifying. So what was the most surprising part of the book for you? Surprising part? Mm -hmm. Probably the reveal that Andy's damage was from his fucking mother. Mm -hmm. That's a a good one, man. I didn't really see that coming at all. Like, I knew, like, obviously his mother was was the stuck up person that he clearly... Because then it's like the same thing. You don't even put two and two together that he has this obsession with his mother until that moment and then you reflect back on the book and right. like i said all like the little easter eggs and you're like oh like this is you <laughs> see it in a different lens because of his mom and because the mom's not it's very similar like flicker in the dark the character isn't that big of a character but it's the biggest character of the book right right and and you she's know what always I mean? there her presence is always there but it's always an afterthought like oh this is another yeah. part of my life with andy that his mom hates me and that his mom uh-huh. is watching cecilia whenever nina's like in the attic so she's Mm -hmm. always being mentioned but never a main character Mm -hmm. and then it turns out that she's the catalyst for all of this yes exactly 100 percent I would say that was definitely, I thought that was the best part of it, but the best part Mm -hmm. of the book. I think the most surprising part for me was that, was Andrew actually dying? The whole time after she outsmarts him and gets out of the room, you're kind of dreading like what happens next? She can't let him out, but is she really going to let him die in there? I know. And this part of the book for me was actually a letdown in a sense that it just kind of happens and you don't know why or how it happens because the last thing that you see is her giving him the pliers and saying pull out a tooth Mm -hmm. and then that's it that's the last interaction you get of Millie and Andy so you don't even know the extent of other torture she inflicted on him and then Nina shows up and they're like oh he's dead so what you're you're saying is you wanted more torture oh yeah absolutely (laughs) I wanted some kind of I wanted some kind of resolution of him dying and I didn't really get that which you know it, it doesn't change the book for me I still enjoyed the book but it was one part of the book that bothered me was that I just there wasn't any finality to his death right. it was just kind of like oh he's dead the end and you're like oh but wait that part of the book was just kind of like it felt rushed Yeah, I think that all of the time spent on the relationship with Enzo could have been spent here with developing the story. Which, again, that was another thing. 
that I didn't like because initially Nina's like, oh, because Enzo's sister was in an abusive relationship Mm -hmm. and he didn't get a chance to take care of it and his sister got killed or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And now, and so she's like, oh, well, he only thinks of me as a sister. There's no sexual tension there whatsoever. And then she escapes and they fuck. And you're Mm -hmm. just like, wait, you told me seven pages ago Mm -hmm. this was not sexual. And now you're banging. And Enzo's like, oh, yeah, like, I've been attracted to you since the first day I saw you. And I'm just like, I'm like, no, I'm like, we don't need this. Get this out of here again. It's like the same thing. There's this fucking sex scene. And I'm just like, no, it's stupid. I don't need this. I I don't need this in this book. That was another thing that I I didn't love. I was like, this is stupid. (laughs) It just didn't seem like he was as big of a part of the book as they were trying to force a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I completely agree with you. I think that Andy had to die because I can't think of another way that this plays out. Absolutely. That's how it ends. It has to end. But like you said, we don't get that finality because we don't know exactly what happened. And so he just she just stopped going up to the door. He's banging on it and screaming and continuing to pull out his teeth and she's watching it on the video and then five know, days later. Like, well, why did he why did he pull out more teeth? Is it because mm-hmm. she said, I'll let you out, but not yet. Not you have yet. to pull out one more tooth. And mm-hmm. so it's you know, you're kind of just like, Well, wait, like where where did that come from? And, and then what would happen if Enzo had never called Nina and Nina hadn't come back? How long was yeah. was Millie gonna stay here? That's another with his thing dead body too, in the is... attic. Because she could have just dipped and just left him there, too. You know what I mean? But she just, obviously, where, where would she go? She's, again, she's a, a felon. So it's... And she also doesn't know the extent of Nina planning this. So she could think that if she left, Nina has all of her information. Mm-hmm. Nina could send the cops after her. Yep. So that's, that part I do understand why she didn't leave. Yeah, she, like, yeah, she didn't realize that this was all part of Nina's plan. That exactly. Nina was actually on her side until Nina comes back and she's like, you know everything i you know it's kind of like listen like i went a little psychotic but i had my reasons for it and you did what i needed to do and now i'm gonna take that guilt off of you and i'm gonna take the blame which i thought was that was a big power move for nina to be like because then she finally gets her daughter back Mm -hmm. because she felt she was so in fear of her daughter's life of what andy would do to her if she didn't do what she needed to do so her relationship with cecilia was kind of tainted yes and now she's just like all right well Enzo, just take care of my daughter if anything happens. Like, yeah. I'm just going to take the blame for this, which, you know, you got to give her credit for. Yeah. Because she didn't need to do that. I think that's a big part of Enzo's role in this book also is to give her that moral conscience because he yeah. is the one who keeps telling her, you can't leave Millie. You can't let, like, you know how horrible it was. You can't let her go through the same torture that you went yeah. through. So I think Mm -hmm. he does play that role. And Nina also recognizes Millie will immediately go back to prison, no questions asked. But maybe I have a chance. I have money. I have privilege. I have maybe I'll just go to a mental institution for a little while and then they'll let me out. Exactly. She she fully thinks things through. And even though she says to uh, Millie, get the hell out of here before I change my mind, she's thought through every single aspect of this plan. She has. She's a very smart woman. Yes, absolutely. So here is my last and most important question. If you had to bet on one in a fight, who were you taking, Millie or Nina? Probably Millie, because Millie's definitely a little psychotic. In her own way, because she definitely, I think she blacks out and she just like, yeah, she has like, she has like an inner rage issue that's never been addressed. She beat that guy (laughs) to death with a paperweight. She did. And she slashed her teachers, which which was obviously well-deserved, the mm-hmm. teacher's tires getting slashed. But her retaliation is just pure violence. 
Yeah. It's, it's like instinctive instead of thinking yeah. things through. For that yeah. reason, I'm picking Nina 100%. She actually thinks her plans through instead of <laughs> accidentally but on purpose torturing a guy to death. Uh-huh. And she also has close to zero remorse. So that savagery is what I'm betting on. Yeah. Yeah, they're both pretty. Because Millie pretty. does feel bad afterwards. She's like, how am I going to live with this? And Nina is like, bye, bitch. Nah, fuck this. <laughs> Thank God he's gone. <laughs> okay, anything else? Or should we get to the rating? There was one part of the book that I didn't understand. Okay. And it was why Cecilia treated Millie like shit. <laughs> Cecilia was an asshole. Like, she just was always a dick to Millie. And I never, it was never, Cecilia's character was, again, another secondary character. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I don't know if the point of it was just to give more ammunition to Millie feeling bad for Andy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it wasn't like his daughter. Yeah. And and then she doesn't understand why she's wearing these weird ass clothes all the time because she doesn't Mm -hmm. realize that's actually Andy making her wear them. I just didn't get why. And also, I thought it was crazy that that Cecilia actually was allergic to peanut butter. And that when Andy told her when Andy told Millie, oh, no, she's not actually allergic to peanut butter, but but she was that Andy was keeping it in the house as a torture mechanism for. for It's just like it all like. Yeah, I know that was like another. Andy is literally the most sadistic character I've ever read about. But I was like, I just don't get why she's being so mean to Millie. It's not like Millie was hired to take care of Cecilia specifically or that there was anything she did or that that this is because Cecilia's a bad child. She needs like a caregiver. It's not even any of that. It was just, I didn't get it. That was just one part of the book I didn't get. Yeah, I think that Cecilia is another character that wasn't developed enough or the underlying issue is that she's bratty because all of this chaos is going on around her and she does have some type of recognition that when she does something bad, her mom's getting punished. There's an inkling, yeah. Yeah, but it's also... Her presence was 100% necessary because that was the only thing keeping Nina in the marriage. Yeah. But it just felt like it wasn't written in as part of the story. Like the idea of her was. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I agree with you. I think that that part is a little weird. Like, why couldn't she just be nice? Someone is finally here being nice to you. Why couldn't you be nice back? I know. And I was just like, all right. I I just, that was just probably the one part of the book that I was kind of like, there was no, again, no resolution on that or recognition of why it was occurring so i was like okay this was Mm -hmm. okay so today our rating scale is mini water bottles we do talk about hydration a lot on this podcast so it seems fitting that's Um, so funny i like that a lot (laughs) i give this book 4.5 mini water bottles i don't know for me that would not even last a day trapped in the attic i drink no. a lot of water um it wouldn't last you the morning <laughs> that wouldn't last me this recording of a normal uh, day <laughs> <laughs> i mean yes the trope is familiar but i still never could have seen the individual events that took place mm-hmm. coming mm-hmm. the means of torture the mom twist i couldn't have written yeah. that agreed also it's such an easy read it's fast paced and even though i had issues with individual things like Enzo or Cecilia or whatever I just 
thoroughly enjoyed this book. Like I read the last page and I was like, holy shit. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that's a pretty good reaction to a thriller. It is. It 100% is. So how many mini water bottles are you giving this book? I gave it four mini water bottles. Okay. I completely second everything that you just said. And the reason why I don't give it that extra 0.5 is just because, like I've said throughout the podcast, I've read this trope so many times recently, like in the past few months. It was kind of a turnoff initially. But then once you get to the real meat of this book and what the consensus of it is, I realized it was actually completely a standout on its own, even better than any other ones that I've read recently. Mm -hmm. And then the little things like Enzo's character, Cecilia's character. Yeah, I think this is my fault for making you read The Last Mrs. Parrish last month. But anyways, you know, because I read The Last Miss Parrish and then I read The Death of Mrs. Westaway by Ruth Ware, where she was also in a small room that had a lock on the outside with a painted shut window. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then once you get to the plot twist of how sadistic this husband was, I'm like, oh, now it's behind closed doors. Yep. <laughs> like yep. B.A. Paris. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, there's just so many different books interspersed in this book. But like I said, this is actually a pretty cool feminist novel yes. because it kicks ass when you get to what the real plot is. Yeah, I feel like this is a more current take on all Mm -hmm. of those tropes because the ones that you mentioned plus it does give Verity vibes. I actually didn't even think of Verity. That's a good one that you said. I didn't even think that about Verity for for this. And then Gone Girl with the whole how-to guide by Mm -hmm. Nina. There's also another one that I read uh, The Wife Upstairs by Rachel Hawkins which is... I haven't read that one yet. That one's good. It's um, Obviously I don't think it's as good as this one but it's Last Mrs. Parish level. It's same Mm -hmm. idea, same trope, same, you know, down on her luck woman seduces the man of the house and then the wife Mm -hmm. has some secrets. Um, And then obviously this book has a sequel the housemaid secret is it based on millie yes and surprisingly so i just read it surprisingly enzo Mm -hmm. is a main character in that book so i think that even though he wasn't super developed in this book frida mcfadden really set him up to be a main character in the and she didn't go into this thinking she was going to write a sequel because she doesn't think that most thrillers are capable of having sequels because that's the whole point but i think it really let her build off of him and make him more important Well, you said in the beginning that enzo was like her favorite character she's ever written so i can't say i'm surprised if she did a sequel because she probably wanted to explore that character she created more exactly so anything else you want to add no i think that we hit everything i said all the things that i thought um just as a lesson to our readers remember if it seems too good to be true it probably is too good to be true okay probably is too that's all we have for you today if you like what you heard please make sure to follow subscribe and rate and review the podcast on whatever platform it will really help us out a lot if you have any book recommendations questions for us you want to discuss this book further with us you can email us at fullybookedcalfpod at gmail.com also be sure to follow us on tiktok and instagram at fullybookedcalfpod to see our upcoming reads and little recaps of our episodes thanks for checking us out and remember if you need us we're fully booked. Bye. Bye.